Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, I hope you are doing great. Welcome to episode 63 of Legally Clueless. Remember, you can join the tribe on our Instagram page that's at Legally Clueless Podcast. But I do hope that because we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic, whoever thought we would be using such words, I hope you're taking care of your mental well-being. And if you need a few tips to help you with that, please listen to episode 54 of this podcast. I had my friend Wangoi, who's a clinical psychologist, come through and she shared some tips, some that I am ignoring to my own detriment. <laughs> like not disrupting my sleep patterns. Oh my word. I use Fabulous. It's an app to set routines, including like what time I should go to bed because I want to wake up at 7.30 a.m. every morning having slept for eight hours. So it means I have to sleep at a certain time. So 30 minutes before that time, the app sends me a prompt to be like, hey, you know, you should really be shutting down. Hmm. <laughs> I quickly ignore, <laughs> swipe, delete that prompt and continue watching whatever series it is that I'm binge watching. And then the next morning when my alarm goes at 7.30 a.m., I'm like tired. I need two instead of one cup of coffee <laughs> to just get started. Yeah, but basically when Goy said disrupting your sleep pattern will like mess with your mood, even just general mood before we get to like your actual mental well-being. Yeah, so listen to that episode. I hope it helps you out during this time. But speaking of series, this week I watched Blood and Water, which is the latest Netflix African series. Is that what I would call it? Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad show. I've seen mixed reviews online. It's not a bad show. You know from the first episode what type of show it is and kind of like the drama you'll expect. But I enjoyed it and it has nothing to do with that hot character kb <laughs> oh man anyway <laughs> it's a good show <laughs> i also finished up the series called the following it's a really old series but i only just stumbled on it the first season was absolutely beautiful because i love shows about like crime especially about like serial killers and stuff like that. I don't know why. <laughs> ah, don't start looking at me oddly, but I do. So season one was good. But then in season two, everybody just wasn't dying <laughs> in circumstances where they really should have died. People were just escaping randomly. And so the series started annoying me in season two, but then I had to see to the end. And so this week I finished season three and true to form, it ended so stupidly. I was just like, what a waste of our time. Something else that I did that I would actually recommend as much as I'm pretty new into it is burning frankincense. So before I used to buy, um, you know, just your general incense sticks and I'd burn them only when I'm starting a new project, especially if the project involved me writing. Now... <laughs> I read online, like I said in last week's episode, I read a lot and I found that frankincense is really good in like reducing your stress levels or your anxiety levels. It's good if you meditate to keep you really focused on the meditation. I was like, no, all right. I found this store that sells frankincense amongst other things like sage and blah, blah, blah. So I bought the frankincense day one of burning it. <laughs> 
Because I've never... First, I didn't even know what this frankincense looks like. The only time I've heard of it is in the Bible. <laughs> so, when it came, the lady who sold it to me told me to only burn one or two pebbles. So, I open it up and the pebbles are really small. So, I'm like, I... Let me burn three. <laughs> I am sure the frankincense wafted into my neighbor's apartment because that's how <laughs> smoky the living room was. My husband just kept walking in and laughing at me. But I sat in the smoke because <laughs> it smells so good. I don't know. I started feeling so relaxed. You know that um, like I started feeling sleepy, but it wasn't the sleep of you're fatigued or anything. It's the sleep you get maybe after like a really thorough massage like when your entire system is just calm and then you're like ah I feel like sleeping I did actually feel that on day one and then because I'm writing again poetry I think I burnt it the next day yeah the next day when I was getting ready to start writing I don't know I don't know whether it's in my mind that because I read that it's meant to make me relax that I automatically start feeling relaxed because I want that <laughs> just don't burn three pebbles burn like one <laughs> so even right now i i'm burning frankincense in the corner but one pebble <laughs> so that i don't fall asleep <laughs> mid-recording i've also started this um there's a face mask that i'm using normally i use turmeric because in turmeric i trust turmeric can heal everything well Clearly, except Corona, but <laughs> it's a wonder spice. So usually I use turmeric, honey, and sometimes I put apple cider vinegar as a face mask. But I've moved to a black seeds mix face mask. I've done it for two days now, and I can see the glow. I really can. <laughs> I really can. So if you are taking advantage of the time spent at home to like show your body some love, I think the frankincense and the black seed mask or the black seed oil is working for me. But back to writing poetry. So I created a page on my website. Last episode, I told you I, I built my website. I created a page where I'll be sharing some of my poetry because that's what I really started off as first. Before radio, before anything, I was a poet and I would perform my poetry at various open mic nights in Nairobi, in, in the campus that I was at, which is USIU. Then I created my own open mic night and I would perform a piece at least every open mic night <laughs> to open the night, right? But the first time I really fell in love with poetry was when I went to high school. I went to high school in Botswana. I was in Westwood International School, if anybody from Botswana is listening. The reason I was in Botswana is because my mom and dad were going through a divorce. And it wasn't one of those calm divorces. It was pretty not calm. <laughs> it was wild. At the time, my mom was going through a lot. She was going through a lot. She was battling cancer. I think she was having issues at work because at that time, if you said you had cancer openly, people thought you were about to die. And as shit as it it is, it could cost you your job. And in many ways, it did end up costing her her job. But so I moved to Botswana because my mom thought I needed a more stable environment. My aunt, my mom's sister, was a teacher there. 
So I moved and lived with them. And I remember my first English literature class. I don't remember the teacher's name, but I remember she mentioned we were going to be learning about poetry. Now, in primary school while I was in Kenya, the poetry that we were exposed to was really boring. It was stuff like Shakespeare. No offense to him or anybody who loves Shakespeare. I just didn't relate with it. I didn't relate with the language. So I thought all poetry was like that. So fast forward back to this English literature class. So when she says that we're going to be reading and learning about poetry, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> not that Shakespeare guy again. But she's like, no, what's going to happen is everybody's going to pick a song that they love currently and you're going to print out the lyrics, analyze it like poetry, and then make a presentation to the class. It was so lenient that I remember one of my classmates picked Thong Song. <laughs> and he actually like printed out the lyrics. I always think about him when I hear Thong Song. I'm just like, oh man, I wonder where he is. But <laughs> he presented on Thong Song. I picked a song by Whitney Houston and P. Diddy. So I'd just gotten like this album that had this remix to the song, Why Are You Looking At Me? And it had... It was like a bad boy remix. So it was Whitney Houston and Diddy did a verse on it. And I really loved the song. I don't know why. And so I printed that song out and presented it as poetry. Like literally going through every line like, when Whitney sings. <laughs> and then we have P. Diddy. <laughs> and maybe that's also why I have like that relationship with music. I was telling you a few episodes ago of like, really listening to the lyrics is because I realized it's not far from poetry. Like poetry is not this completely disassociated step relative of all the other art forms. They actually merge at certain points. So that was the first time I remember feeling like, ooh, poetry is so deep. After that, I started writing about the environment. I remember writing a lot of poetry about the environment. I do not know why. I wrote a lot of poems about my mom makes sense. I don't think I've ever written poetry about a guy. No, I have. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. But it wasn't like bitter poetry. It was like, you know, my first serious relationship where I felt an overwhelming love for somebody. So I wrote about that feeling, like just having never felt it before in any other relationship. But speaking of poetry and music and all of that, I want to share the song of this week. So I've been saying this particular artist's name wrong for a long time. Her name is Xenia, but it's spelled X-E-N-I-A. So I, for a long time, have been asking people like, do you listen to Xenia? And they're just like, no, no, I don't, I don't believe I've ever heard of her. <laughs> But she pronounced it Xenia, and she is a Kenyan songstress. I actually just found out the new Saudi Soul song, Insecure. She was one of the background vocalists on it. She's done a lot of covers. I'll put a link to her Instagram page so you can check that out. But the song of hers that really does it for me is called See Me. So that's the song that is the song of the week. Uh, there's not just the lyrics, but there's a way in which the 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 beat and the different sounds within the beat and then her lyrics and her voice, there's a way in which they merge that just commands attention. I, I don't know how to explain it. And it's a song that honestly you have to listen to on headphones and listen to on really loud volume. <laughs> 
No, seriously, please, please do that. Because I can't be the only one who just feels so drawn to this song. Yeah, man. The link to the song is also in the description box. Please check it out. So on 100 African Stories this week, I'm so excited because this particular storyteller has been someone I have been friends with since I was in primary school, guys. Yo, we were on the swimming team together. At the time, she was in my older sister's class but of course we did interact and then I went to Botswana as I mentioned earlier the Kenyan education system is so rigorous that I ended up doing three years of high school in Botswana because there I was doing the IGCSE system so what I had learned in class seven in the Kenyan system was basically what they were teaching in the first year of high school in that system so that's why I did three years, basically. Then, so that meant that I jumped a couple of years ahead. So when I came back, I was now in class with people who were in my older sister's year. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I came back, got into IB, and then I linked up with Seba again. And of course, then, you know, our friendship just continued from there. I really have wanted her to come on this podcast to share her story because she is an artist. She speaks about the journey through studying arts and quitting her job to focus on her passion, something that I feel a lot of us can relate with. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of the... I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Sabah. Mokaisio, and um, I'm an artist. I'm from Nairobi, Kenya, although I'm from from Taita. I guess today I'm just going to sort of walk you through how I transitioned through so many things. Well, first I started with the love of my life, which is art, and then had to go through this whole process of life and then come back to art again. <laughs> and I think it's the happiest I've ever been. I think as I was learning art in high school, uh, most of the artists that we were learning in theory were European artists like Monet and Picasso. So it always felt like a foreign or something that just didn't belong here. And then in Form 1, my art teacher, shout out to Mrs. Oluve, took us out to a show at the Nairobi Museum. And there was a painter there. Well, he wasn't there, but his work was there. His name is Peter Elungat. He's still a practicing artist today. And his is the first work I saw being displayed the way I had seen it, like in movies. And, you know, it, it just seemed like a far-fetched thing. And then I just realized it was something that I did want to do and that I could do in this country. So then I pursued that up to my first year of university. Well, I went in to do fine art, but then I freaked out um, and then I switched majors to international relations. There were different factors. One, I think I was really young and very naive as well. I got into classes with people who are more experienced at life than I was, for sure. I remember this one prof who actually said, most of you are going to end up on the streets. Some of you are going to end up on drugs and the rest of you are just going to be poor. And in my mind at that time, I just thought, these are my statistics. Like this is, this is what I have to, you know, that, that freaked me out. Like my surroundings were just, 
if I was more mature, I could have handled it, but I wasn't. Then I moved to Paris, but I kind of still did art history as I was learning French and continuing my degree. And then I finished in Madrid. And then I went to do my master's in law and finance in England. And then I came back. I worked in really, really, really nice places (laughs) or nice in quotes, I guess. Well, the places you'd want to work with what you've pursued. And don't get me wrong, like everything I was studying, I was genuinely in love with at some point. But art is the one thing that it's just like never left my internal system ever. So there was like an empty feeling Mm -hmm. every time I was in one of those prestigious offices around Nairobi. And they were really good places to work. It's just, it's just not where my heart was or is rather. I made the decision to quit um, my last job, which was a really good job. And then I downsized my life. My lifestyle rather, (laughs) which was necessary, I guess. I just started doing art full time and it's been a really, really, really amazing journey for me. I can't, I can't complain. Well, I can't complain. I just choose not to. There are very good days. There are very, very, very bad days also. Okay. I think, not I think, I did try out the art scene in Kenya. Well, thankfully my sister had already come back. Like she was here and she is also very much in the art scene. So she introduced me to Kona, which is still there. And then at the time she knew this artist called Polonditi. He used to let me sit in his studio and just like paint. And at the same time, I was still job hunting in Nairobi. So it's like I was juggling the two. I think there's a part of me that also felt like I needed to give my degrees a chance <laughs> and so when I got a job I just left um corner and I wasn't there for too long I just used to go like on random days he was very kind to even give me like pointers and then I started seeing more of what the art scene is like in Kenya and East Africa and yeah I, I guess I got exposed to more that way I can't it's it's really it's really something hard to explain it's like just a tick inside my brain that was just, just didn't feel like I belonged constantly. And then every time we would go even like to offices, the first, I'm just looking at the artwork. I'm not really paying attention. Like my presence, I'm present. Yes. And I'm telling myself I have to pay attention, but my heart and soul are not there. If that makes any sense. It's like, it's like, I'm just not feeling this. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that being good at something doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're supposed to do. Um, I was very scared of what people would say or think. Um, well now obviously I don't care, but at that time I just thought, and there were very many voices in my head, uh, maybe with good and bad intentions. I don't know. But, you know, people will say stuff like, do you know how many people want this job that you have? You're quitting to go and draw. Like they diminish what you, you've said you want to do. <sighs> there are so many challenges and even f- just f- fear of finances because it's not a stable. You don't have like a, a, a constant salary. You know what I mean? Today you're good. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow you're not good. There were very many fears and they're still there. Even till today, I still feel them. But they're not as loud as how I feel when I'm painting. Uh, I didn't just wake up and say, today I'm quitting. Now I'm done. No. It was a long process of sitting and deciding I'm going to do it. And then the next day changing my mind. And then like, it was such a back and forth. It was like a bad breakup, man. A long one. (laughs) So after I finally like, you know, handed in my resignation, and then I was transitioning. I had already been transitioning, but now like the final steps, I felt very like calm. There was no conflict internally anyway. It was just 
like acceptance and then and then joy and peace like i have such mental peace i mean i have very 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 many bad days don't get me wrong it's just it, it just feels like i'm at home the fears now outside of covid <laughs> i guess sustainability for myself and even for the people around me sustainability in terms of or in terms of making an income from it obviously right although that's not like mm. the end goal but it you know my products need to make sense and then i want to communicate for my communication to be understood and for me to be able to pass it on to other people who have felt like me and maybe who are not brave enough to do it or don't feel like they're ready or kids who just don't know that this craft exists and you can pursue it. So I've always been inclined to drawing women, mostly figurative. And then I developed flat into faces. And then more recently, I would say maybe in the last six, seven years, I've been particularly trying to communicate um, this thing. I've been hashtagging saying muffled voices of women who are physically, emotionally, sexually abused. The frustration that they feel from being unable to express what is happening to them. Because I think this is like, it's it's across the board, all classes of people, all races of people. I think it's something, well, at least to me, it speaks to me. So I've been focusing on that a lot in my work. Okay, the early high moments, I would say the day we went to the museum and I saw Peter Elumat's work, I think that's the earliest, highest moment I remember. And I, 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 every time I walk into a gallery and the work is really good, I feel like everything else around me disappears. There's like a sense of peace. It's like I'm reconnecting with something else. I, I can't explain it. My low moments are dealing with, I'm going to make this very, like blunt, but dealing with clients who refuse to pay or, you know, those are low moments when I feel like I don't want to bargain for something I've poured my heart and soul into. When I feel like my, a piece of me is being taken and then it's being taken badly. Um, well, for one, a very good friend of mine, when I was going to uni, actually told me, you're going to study drawing. Like that's exactly how he put it. Like it was in a very, but you're smart. Like, why are you going to study? fine art you know that was the first time i felt mm -hmm. a knot like a really bad knot in my stomach ah <sighs> yeah that's one thing <laughs> there's even a, a, a first and last date i went for <laughs> where i told this guy i'm an artist and then I, I i promise you he asked me and then like and then i was like no that's what i do he's like no that's a hobby <laughs> i was like okay okay thanks Thank you. Oh. It, it happens everywhere. It's just, it, I don't, it doesn't get to me anymore. I think everyone's definition of success is different, right? For some people, being the CEO of a company equals success. And someone else will, will maybe, um, I hate to put this so like black and white, but maybe choose to be like us, as a stay-at-home mom. And that's also success. So I do battle with the career success thing internally of what I've been conditioned to understand as like having an office job or doctor engineer lawyer full stop you know but it's not i wouldn't call it a battle it's just um it's just a thing that comes and goes i mean and it's not totally gone don't don't get me wrong i still feel it but it's not in the same way like i i feel genuinely i am so much happier i don't i don't feel a need to prove myself to anyone anymore i'm just i'm i'm trying to just live my my truth what i'm proud about is being part of shows with some of the most amazing 
Kenyan artists that at least I've had the privilege of meeting. Um, there was a sculpture show at one of the gallery um, a couple of months back, and I was part of that. I'm part of this group called Brush Two, which are also like internationally acclaimed artists. I got to do a residency in Lamu uh, last year, and it was amazing, amazing, amazing. I spent like six weeks to eight weeks somewhere about there. And it was like a fully paid residency where you're just literally being paid and fed to produce work. Yeah, so that was dope. And then there's another one I was supposed to go to this year, but uh, COVID happened. So it's been moved to next year. So like it's it's helping me travel, meet very interesting people, reconnect with old friends even. So those are, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, The saddest thing is, you know, at least as you said, like West Africans, their appreciation of their own work, you can see it, you can feel it. It's even in their music. There's like a mm. self-support there that I don't, okay, it's growing here, but it's not as intense as it should be. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if we are super colonized or... Because our work sells out there for so much money. And I know it's not just about the money, but it's like there's no self-appreciation. It's like we don't love ourselves, Kenyans. We really don't love ourselves. But I also think there's a difference. The 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 One of the differences for me anyway, personally, is my support system, like my family. You know, like going to uni mm. and telling my folks I'm going to study fine art and they're okay with it. Even my, my count, you know, my, my classmates were like, that's insane. I, I do wish more, more parents would be more encouraging of the arts for the kids. But you know, there's always, uh, I feel like there's, there's an economic barrier there that we can't ignore. You get like, there are so many talented people in Kenya. It's just that the opportunity, I think, or even encouragement is lacking. Okay, after this is over, hopefully soon, um, places at Sekuona Trust, the Go Down, Brush 2, obviously, in Buruburu, Karen Village in Karen, even visiting galleries like Circle, One Off, Red Hill. I mean, the lists, it's endless. I think even if you just like Googled arts in Kenya, all these places would appear. There's Masaimbili also, there's Banana Hill Art Gallery. Yes, I, I mean, there are all these, even if you just Google like Kenyan arts or pick up a Kenyan arts diary, then you'll see names of artists. Even I think there are gallery spaces there and tips. I would say consistency and talking to other artists because I've learned so much from just talking to other artists, not even from school, like literally just having and most, most of them are very, very mm. open. You know, they'll teach you something or give you a tip here and there. So even my, even me, I'm like open. People DM me randomly with questions and I answer. I think if I manage to get a piece in every African country, that would be so dope. Like even if it's just in someone's house, if like one of my pieces is in every household somewhere <laughs> in each African country, that would be the best. <laughs> I just want to create art and for it to be appreciated and to speak for the of the times. That's the hippiest mm. answer ever. <laughs> Catch our next African stories in the next episode. So if you check the description box, I have put a link to Seba's Instagram page. If you have more questions about art or even just about making the transition from a traditional, you know, traditional in quotes job to kind of like pursuing your passion. Like listening to a story just reminded me about even for me, the journey to quitting my job on Kiss FM. First, it took me four years. <laughs> 
of constant bitching to my support system about how I really want to make this jump. 2018, as much as the emotions were still there, you know, fear and all of those, I really just focused on finances and saving to really make this big jump and putting in place the things that I would need to at least buffer <laughs> this transition from that monthly paycheck checking in to, you know, chasing clients. <laughs> to pay damn it yeah it's 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 really not a day it's such a long journey to quitting your job but what i can say i remember when i was battling with it i spoke to one of my closest aunts shout out to auntie jane and i told her how frustrated i was getting with myself because i just kept complaining about this job but not doing anything about it like i'm not stepping stepping up and resigning and i remember she told me the day you know it's time to leave you won't even chat anybody. You'll just get up and do it. And let me tell you, the day I finally resigned, well, the second time, because I, <laughs> I think I quit twice in like four months. So I quit the first time, handed in my resignation, served my notice for three months. In that time, we were renegotiating my contract. So I signed a new contract, was in that contract for two months before I was just like, you know, this is really not working for me. I really, I don't like this anymore. So then I quit the second time. So that second time, which was the final time, so the most important time, I, I quit on a Friday. And the week before, Wednesday, I knew I was quitting. I knew it. I just hung on because my co-host at the time was traveling to the States. His child was graduating from high school so I wanted him to be able to go so that they don't force him not to go and then the next week the reason I didn't quit midweek is also because I wanted to give the company a weekend at least to like move presenters around because the contract had renegotiated I made sure that there was no for serving notice because <laughs> I really hated that that experience of having to serve notice you know what I mean it's like You've already decided to break up with someone, but you still have to stay in the relationship, <laughs> which is just horrible. So anyway, that day that I quit, I woke up and I knew, Leo ni Leo, <laughs> today is the day. And I guess I only told my husband, obviously, but everybody else in my support system knew I had quit after I had done it. Like I sent everybody a chat. <laughs> And then I slept. But yeah, you just, you battle with it for such a long time. And then there's one day where you're just like, you know what? I may not have everything figured out, but I'm done. Like this space is killing me. To anyone who's in that situation now, obviously it must be 10 times harder because there's this pandemic going on. And so you're like, is this really the time to be leaving a job? And then you're also very aware internally that depending on the environment where you're working, it could be killing you mentally or whatever. And you're just like, oh, how do I hang on? So my heart really goes out to you. And I, I can't really advise you because everybody's situation is different. But I think it goes back to what my Auntie Jane said. The day you know you're done, you will know it. You wouldn't even need to like ask for advice or what you will just know. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I really have. So there's a couple of things. Remember, you can 
share your story on this podcast. Just record a one minute WhatsApp audio note demo telling me about the story you want to tell and send it to the Legally Clueless hotline number, which is plus two five four seven six eight six two eight seven nine zero. I will also put it in the description box. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. Another thing, you can nominate songs that you want to get onto the song of the week by sending those songs to the same Legally Clueless hotline number. And lastly, join the tribe on Instagram. We have tons of fun there. You can find us at Legally Clueless Podcast. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.